time. I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now, right now. Oh, Lord, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now, right now. chapter 3. Our title tonight is Demon Spirits. Demon Spirits. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. Everybody there? Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling... Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. You may be seated tonight. He that built all things. All things. You say all things tonight. Now, I, I pray as the word comes forth that, that you would see what God has for us. We said that this morning, each one of us, we, we are each one humans. We're, we're our own worst enemy. And we do have a very worthy adversary that walks about like a roaring lion, but not actually a roaring lion. And he's not by himself. He's got plenty of reinforcements as far as numbers go, but matters not. Just not enough. Just not enough. But we want to spend some time tonight talking about those demon spirits and how they'll come against a person, how they've come against this body of believers, each one in specific attacks, and, and us particularly as a whole. Now, it's nothing to be scared of. 
I know that if you talk about, if you're sitting in conversation and if you start talking about horror movies and haunted things and like that, you'll feel that dark presence come around. Everybody felt that before? Uh, same thing, you start talking about the Lord. You start talking about the Lord, that presence comes around and it changes the anointing. We don't sit here tonight scared of a demon. We're not scared of a demon. We're not scared of any devil out of hell, any fallen angel, not one bit, because our Lord, our Savior, our King put him under our feet. Not just under his feet, but he put him under our feet. The Bible talks in one place that he, that he grabbed your enemy and he stretched his neck out and he said, come here, put your foot right here. That's where it belongs. All power, all principalities are subject to the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we pay attention and we focus on what kind of a fight we have and what kind of, uh, what kind of armaments, what kind of battle, what kind of a, a strategy the enemy will come in at us, and we'll go through several scriptures here and, and talk about uh, just some of the history of things you can look at and how it will come upon a person. And you can even think in your own life the different things we've struggled with, just us few sitting here tonight, how the devil will, if he can't make you sick, if he can't make you discouraged or depressed or if he can't stress you out and bring all this anxiety or all this nonsense against you, he'll try to get someone else. He'll try to get on someone else and try to work on someone else to, to try to smash you down. Just a bully. He's just a bully. But he's a defeated bully. A defeated bully. I love saying that. Because the words of our mouth are confession. He's a defeated bully. So uh, this house that's been built, and we said we, I love that that was come across here recently about your body being created to worship and enthrone God and deity. And, and, and this that, that, that Paul is talking about in the book of Hebrews, he's, he's kind of letting you uh, uh, see it through a natural aspect, and he's also tying it in with a spiritual aspect for, um, uh, there's a, a, um, a different, as a, as a brother, it's a street preacher in California. I say brother, that he's preaching the gospel for all that he knows. And he likes to uh, witness people about the Lord Jesus Christ and about him being real, him being alive, and him being God. And, and he comes against a lot of atheists and all people in that situation that, that believe that the planet, the earth, just poof, just magically appeared. And, and as intricate and as well-designed as it is, it was just an accident and a coincidence. He said, I like to stand beside, if I'm standing by a building, and I point at the building right here, obviously this was an accident. This building was a coincidence, just happened to poof up out of the earth. And the person will tell them, no, obviously someone built that building. Obviously someone designed that building. I mean, if you've ever seen a, uh, MAP, uh, MEP uh, schematics or designs in a set of blueprints, you have your structural drawings that shows your actual walls and all of the, the ceilings, the floors, the, all the layout of your timbers, of your footings, all that things. That's the structural part. But then you have what's called an MEP part. That's your mechanical, electrical, and plumbing. Uh, mechanical would be all your sprinklers, HVAC, all those things. Then you have electrical, then you have plumbing. Now, those schematics, those designs, those blueprints are blueprints can be very overwhelming sometimes if you look at that. This goes here, this goes there, this goes there. But it's very quick to understand if you've got anything going on up here, somebody designed that. Obviously, obviously, somebody designed that. Now, uh, you, then you look at what was the purpose that it was designed for. Obviously, we're sitting in a church right now tonight that was built 121 years ago to be a church. That was their design. That was the design. Your home was built XYZ year. It was built to be a house, a home. You have civic auditoriums. You have theaters. You have all those things. They were designed to be as such, and that use is evident by what it's used for. 
Now, when you're talking about a body, a person, a tabernacle, we read that this morning. Peter kept going over and over about when this tabernacle is dissolved, when I lay this tabernacle down, when this tabernacle steps out of this realm and into that other realm. Paul is telling you here, as you look at what the Christ Jesus did in your flesh. Now, uh, you obviously were built and designed and created to in-house, to let deity dwell in you. And obviously, Satan can't stand that. In case you hadn't figured that out yet. Satan can't stand it. So, if you think about things Satan can't stand, if you care. Uh, and not that you really care, but you want to know how to fight. You want to know where the punch will come from. Satan can't stand you to worship the Lord. He can't stand it. He can't stand it for nothing. For you to just open your mouth and whisper, praise the Lord Jesus, Satan can't stand it. I imagine to him it's like nails on a chalkboard. Hates it. Now, if you were to ramp up the volume and push a little more out, And make it a little bit louder. Lord, I love you. Lord, I worship you. I praise you. All can't stand that either. If you throw your hands up as an evening offering, if you bow your knees, if you enter into worship, Satan's house is getting torn down. Absolutely tearing it down. Just in worship, Satan can't stand it. Now, we can testify this because as a body of believers, we've watched him come at our worship service. For some reason, this little bitty body of believers, Satan is fighting everything they can to keep our, our recording and our stream just to be pitiful and, and just. Is that not ridiculous? But there's, and we think so many times that we're just normal, it's just ordinary service, we're just doing this. But, but if, if all hell is against it, if all hell is against it, it got to be something pretty good. Got to be pretty something pretty good. If you look at Wednesday night, how our, our worship service was very, very difficult. We had a seem like we was fighting demons nonstop through that worship service, trying to push that out, trying to get that spirit out. Each one of us will come in. We pick up things in our jobs, in our life, and, and you've got to be able to cast it out. And that's the purpose of a worship service, to till that ground up for the planting of the seed. Now, and again, you find him right there at the beginning of a worship service. You want to praise the Lord? You want to tell him I love you? You want to say thank you, Lord Jesus? And Satan's there? No, keep your mouth shut. Keep your hands in your pockets. Stay seated. Don't do anything else. And you're thinking, well, I'll wait to the next song. I'll wait to the next song. I'll raise my hands on the next song. I'll sing loud on the next song. I'll, they'll know that I'm here. You understand? That's just the devil. That's just the devil. I, I've noticed in myself, and I've said this before about singing a special. Now, I, I love to sing. I love to sing specials. I love to sing for the Lord. But I've noticed before, before I was pastoring that, uh, you think, well, I'll sing maybe next service. And you come in late or you're rushing or something like that and, and you get busy and thought, well, I can wait till next service. Then your next service and next service. Then you look back, you're thinking, how many months has it been since I brought my special offering of sacrifice before the Lord and poured it out? I'm guilty of that. Now, this wasn't by accident. This wasn't by, I just kind of messed around. No, Satan is against you. He, I See, I say this all the time. I don't know what all he can see in that other realm as far as you, but, but something about how our light changes. And they can see it. I don't know if it gets brighter, if it starts to get brighter on that side as far as being in another dimension when he looks at you and he's saying, okay, everybody go over there. Start fighting. Start coming against that. Something's changing. God is doing something there. Something's about to have a breakthrough. And here comes every power of hell trying to squelch it. You ever felt that? Ever felt that? So back to our scripture here. The one that's faithful. Uh, the man that began the good work is faithful to finish the good work. 
Now, you find that right there in verse 4, every house that's builded by some man, but he that built all things is God, and that's us. We're, we're one of those all things. Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. After. These are those things that would be spoken after. He was as a, as a shadow of things to come, as, as a, a precursor of things to come. Now you hit verse 6. Now you hit 2,000 years ago, and when everything changed, everything that started to come in manifestation as the lion is coming down as the lamb to be born as a baby, to give his life for you and for me, to, to face such things for you and for me. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saying, today, if you will hear his voice... Now, all the time say that, that every word of God is creative. One word of God will change your life. One word. Just one word. If you can get one word past these ears, past this mind, and get it to bury down deep. Get one word of God down there, your life will change. You can attest to that. You can agree with that. One word. Satan knows that too. Satan knows that too. So even in now, you've come from your worship service to the ministry of the word, and you, this is the word of God to be spoken over to you, to minister that life to you. Satan has now got you worried about your grocery bill, got you worried about money for groceries, got you worried about your light bill, gas bill, work, traveling, new vehicle, old vehicle, new house, old house, repairs, all those different things to pull you away, your attention out there instead of right here. Again, he's watching that light. Some people, they're so, mobbed, so bogged down the muck that he's, you know, I got, I got them sufficiently stuck. I ain't got to spend much time there. They, they've been struggling for a while. But then someone else, that it starts to get into a breakthrough. He's, okay, now you need to start, Elliot's now, and he starts thinking about getting a car or thinking about this or thinking about that, and he pulls him right back out of there instead of that moment with the Lord Jesus. Distraction. Distraction. So Satan can't stand for that word today because that scripture says today if you will hear his voice. We've already been in a service this morning. We've already had that time of the Lord and that would be our normal service. But we have a special service tonight for communion. So Satan had to bring extra reinforcements because we had a special service as, as an honor to the word of the Lord. So you think he brings he'd extra reinforcements. So he knows that scripture is true. Today, if you will hear his voice. Now, verse 8, harden not your heart as in the day uh, of the provocation, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Now, you got two different comparisons right there in that scripture. You have tempted me and proved me. You understand that? Everybody read that. Tempted me and proved me. You got to tempted me, comma, prove me, comma, and then you see the fruit of that saw my works 40 years. The tempting of the Lord is not something you want to do. That temptation, God keeps his word. 
God keeps his word. Now, if you, if he's promised you something and for the covenant, you'll be given that, that your life would be this, that your life would be this, that your life would be this. I will do these things for you. This is what your part of your life is to do. And then you step out there and won't do anything for the Lord. You won't live for the Lord. You won't surrender your life to the Lord. You won't, you know, just in tithes and offerings or living as a Christian, you know, these basic things. And I, I use that example because Malachi covers that next part about proving the Lord. Now, he knows that if you get in that spot where you think, well, you know, I, I'm a son or daughter of God and, 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 and I've got this need, but I know I should surrender my life. I know I should live closer. I should walk closer. I surrender and dedicate more to him, but I just ain't going to take the time today. I'm going to live my way, think my thing, and you, you understand. That's the tempting one. But then you get in trouble. You come up to something you need him. I, I need you, Lord. You promise. You promise, Lord. Your word promised. He's like, yeah, but I got plenty of things that you're supposed to be doing too. What is iniquity? Knowing to do right and not doing it. Knowing what to do right and not doing it. So you have the temptation. You have that tempting part. But then you have the proving part. If you looked over Malachi, the book of Malachi, he's covering a theft. God is speaking there in the book of Malachi and he's covering theft. And he tells the people, you've robbed me. God, Elohim, creator, king of kings, says you've robbed me. And they say, where did we rob you? We ain't come to your house, kicked in your door, stole your TV or your, your safe or empty nothing. We ain't robbed you. Where we? They actually ask you, where we rob you? He said, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. But then he tells him, if you'll just do what I say, he says this. Prove me now. He said, prove me now. And many of us can testify here tonight what that looks like. You prove the Lord, and you'll see him create money if you need it. He will create. He owns everything anyhow. All the silver, all the gold, all the cattle on a thousand hills, he owns it all. So I promise you, he can meet any need. So he said, prove me now if I won't pour out a, a blessing upon you where you won't have room to receive. So when I hear that scripture, I think about the parable that Jesus used about a man that had very rich. He had all these great big storehouses. And as he was getting more and more wealthier, more and more grain would come in. He'd tear this barn down and build another barn. He'd tear that barn down, build another barn. You understand? He ain't room. It ain't room. It ain't room. That's where my mind goes right to. You ain't going to have room. You got Okay, I can put it here. Now now we got to build more. Ain't room to receive it. Physical and spiritual. Physical. See, proved him. Proved him the right way. Lord, I'm living for you. Your word says this. Your word says this. I, I'm doing my very best, Lord, with all my heart. I still struggle. I still fall down. I still make mistakes. But, Lord, you know my heart. I'm trying I love you. I, I'm going to get up each day. If I fall flat on my face, I'm getting up tomorrow. I'm repenting, and I'm going to try to walk closer tomorrow than I did today. And, and he knows your heart. He knows you're a human. He knows that, your own, your own, you, that you are your own biggest uh, enemy, your own biggest uh, struggle, and the first you've got to you know, contend with. He knows that, and he'll make a way. He'll keep his word. And he won't do it bitterly. He won't do it bitterly. When your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation. God said, I was grieved. You ever had something grieve your spirit? That it comes across you like, mm, something ain't right there. 
I don't, can't put my finger right on about it. Something ain't right there. I don't, mm, it just, something, just something's wrong there. Grieving your spirit. He said, this grieved me. This is God saying it grieved me. He said, I was grieved. And said, they do always err in their heart. They ain't nothing but error in their heart. They have not known my ways. They have not known my ways. Um, I know people that uh, would profess to be a Christian. And they would tell people that they're a Christian and their life looks nothing like a Christian. But then they come into uh, a, something they need an answer for. You know, they really need an answer for. Or need the Lord to move for something. And then they can't get the answer and they can't get him to move. It's only been from their mouth. It's only been from their lips. It's not been from their heart. Their error in their heart. They've not known his ways. This is why you must bathe in that word. You are washed by the waters of the word. But if you don't know the word, is that, can it be so simple as read my Bible and pray? How do I get closer to God? Can it be so simple as read my Bible and pray? It can't be that simple. It can't, I guess it is. He said, they have not known my ways. You, you pray and you read his word, and he'll tell you his ways. Not just his works. What was it said about Moses? The children of Israel knew his works. Moses knew his ways. There's a difference between knowing, I know God did this, I know God did that, I know God did that, but I know how to get him to move for me. I know what he requires. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Take heed. He's like, pay attention, get your thinking caps on, look very closely. Let there not be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Unbelief pulls you from the living God. You don't believe God's real. You don't believe God's watching. You don't believe God keeps his word. Evil heart of unbelief. It is what sin is. Sin's not drinking, smoking, adultery. Those are only attributes of sin. It's because you don't believe God's real and his word's true. You don't believe that judgment is sure. You don't believe the judgment is sure. Well, nobody saw me do this. Nobody knew I thought this. He's watching. His word is clear. If you don't repent, you know where you end up. That ain't no place you want to go. But God's so good to us. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. He said, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. I don't say tomorrow. It says today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Unbelief. For we're made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Now, turn over with me to 2 Peter. Chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 12. <clears throat> now, we quote this scripture quite a bit about these natural brute beasts. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 12. But these as natural brute beasts that are made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly, utterly perish in their own corruption. They will utterly perish in their own corruption. Now, we, we, did we read that recently about they've not known the way of life. They've not known the way of life. You're, you've got corruption in your body right now. You understand, that's what the rapture is about, is that this flesh shall put on immortality, this corruption shall put on incorruption. 
There's a reason why us older people are getting gray hair. That's why you're getting wrinkles. That's why you're getting older, because corruption is set in. And that corruption is a part of the fall, and you will eventually die. As long as barring a rapture, you will eventually die. It happens to everybody. It runs in your family. It runs in my family. You will eventually die barring a rapture. That corruption, as Job would say, though my skin worms have destroyed my body, yet in my flesh I'll see God. He knew God would raise him up. He knew God would raise him up. So these natural root beasts are perverting the way of life, the perverting the way of incorruption, and the fruit of that is corruption. You understand? They're perverting. They're turning aside. They've got an evil heart of unbelief. They will not believe him when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. They won't believe him of that. So they just stick in their own corruption. It's going to be corrupt. Um. Utterly perish and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they count as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Count it pleasure. Spots they are. This is the same thing that Jude said. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and a heart that they've exercised with with covetous practices, cursed children. Exercise with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Love them. That was a demon spirit. Uh, you, you find it, it's in... Um, See, then Chronicles of Kings, that, that slimy spirit come up out of hell, was asked, who can I send to go to see Ahab? Who can I send to go to see him? This very slimy spirit come out of hell and said, I'll go to see him. I'll go, I'll go twist him away from the way of life. You, you remember the scripture? Everybody understand? Oh, it's okay, still with me. They've forsaken the right way, gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his inequity. The dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the, the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were taken, that were those that were clean, escape from them who live in Aaron. That were clean, escape from them who live in Aaron. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. The servants. I'm going to trap you here. My job as a servant of corruption will be to keep you corrupt. Keep you. That's a, that's a hindering spirit right there if you've ever seen one. <clears throat> as they promise liberty. See, verse 20. If they have after, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein. Again entangled. More spirits jumped on them. More spirits grabbed them. More spirits mired them down. Just like a, a, a creeping vine that would grab your legs and, and try to pinch you and pull you to the ground. You, know, you still with me? Everybody still with me? Entangled. Again entangled. And overcome. They were overcome by the entanglement of the world. Their latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. 
But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. If you'll turn me to Revelation chapter 12. Now, where all of this influence and this, uh, this demonic oppression comes from, we, we understand and, and how that, 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 that many can't overcome. Many of them won't overcome. They won't even try to uh, even try to find something that can help them, that will try to something to deliver them. They would just soon just stay stuck in it. Uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 3 <clears throat> There appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven horns and ten, uh, ten, seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. That was Lucifer as he drew those third part of the angels from heaven and before, you know, before the fall. And did cast them to the earth. That's Luke 10, 18, I think it is, where Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall to the earth as lightning. Um, and uh, so having seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns, his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, did cast from the earth a dragon, stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. As she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, her child was caught up into God and to his throne. The woman fled in the wilderness where she was, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there. To, uh, 2,000, 8,000, 203 score days. There was war in heaven. So we done jumped from the tribulation. Now we're jumping back before the foundation of the world. You understand that? This dragon, this fight, this tribulation, all that, now jumping backwards to before in the war in heaven. The war in heaven doesn't happen in the tribulation. The war in heaven happened before the foundation of the world. Lucifer and his angels were kicked out before the foundation of the world. Well, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Let me be very clear. Between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Now, verse 7. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Love not their lives unto death. Now, turn over to Zechariah chapter 13. It is very, very well hidden. I always just fly right by it. My goodness. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 1. Should have used a marker. Sorry about that. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 1. <clears throat> In that day... 
There shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered. And I also, and also, I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. To pass that unclean spirit to pass out of the land. The, the prophets and the unclean spirits to pass out of the land. Now turn forward to Matthew chapter 10. 10 verse 1. Matthew chapter 10 verse 1. <clears throat> when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits. To cast them out. To heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Didn't he say that there's coming a time when he would do this? Now you see it going into actual work. It's actually happening now. Chapter 10. When he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Is this true or not? Okay, still true. Turn over to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 22. <clears throat> and they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority, as one that had authority and not as the scribes. He taught them as one that had authority, not as a scribe. A scribe would be to take and uh, to, to just grab the Bible and read it. I'm going to read you this, and it's this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. What does it mean? Can you use it for your daily life? Can you use it to cast out a demon? Not as a scribe. One that has authority. We just read to you, and we'll maybe make over Luke 10, 19. He said, I give you power and authority over every spirit out of hell. Every spirit out of hell. <clears throat> we, we say that a lot. You're not a normal person. Therefore, you're not being a normal person. Satan's opened every gun of hell against you. He's got every gun out of hell pointed at your life. When you wake up in the morning, every gun of hell is pointed at you. When you get ready for lunch, every gun of hell is pointed at you. When you're ready for supper, every gun of hell is pointed against you. When you lay down at night, every gun of hell is pointed against you. Fact of life. You better learn how to fight. You better learn how to fight. You can't just lay down and cower over and I don't know what to do. I just give up. There's no hope. Right here is hope. Amen. I don't believe no lie of the devil. Don't fall into evil heart of unbelief. He said, I come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. He did not say, I come that you'd be bound and sit in a captive prison all your life. He said you would be victorious. Amen. Victorious. They were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as a scribe. I say that ain't nothing but the truth. Amen. That sounds an awful lot like you might have created a world or two. Sounds an awful lot like you might have created maybe everything. That's who he is. And he's going to prove it now. So they're looking at him. They're listening to his words. They're watching him. These are rolling off his lips, and he's telling them things that fills in the gap in the Scriptures. They're thinking, that makes perfect sense. You know, the scripture doesn't have time to cover every single second of, a, of an account of history. Doesn't have time. 
But you have a uh, you have God that fills all time and space. And if He's standing there in flesh and He's telling you as Bartimaeus is, you'll get up and He's got His dream and He had a dream that He could sleep, He could see. He was always blind. He had a dream He could see. He walks the walls of Jericho to Jericho and He sits down on a wall with a rock that fell off the wall and is rubbing His head, thinking about that dream that He could see. That's filling in the gaps. That's filling in the gaps. They're hearing him say things. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's the, there's things we're picking up between the lines, and our heart is saying amen. They're not saying, mm, not right. No, their heart's going, no. I don't, that ain't nothing but the truth. That ain't nothing but the truth. This is the word we're talking about now. And like I said, now he's going to prove it. You can say all day long, you can do this, you can do this. You have power. You have authority. But now it's got to go to the test. There was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Where was he at? Was he in church? Is that what it, did you read that? That don't say in the bar. I don't say in the beer joint. I don't say at work, at Lowe's, at Walmart. In the synagogue. Satan goes to church. Satan goes to church. Satan's a religious thing. He's, a, he's always been a very religious thing. There was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, let, wait, didn't it say one man? Did that say one man? There's one man in the synagogue. Now this one man is using language like, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Are thou come to destroy us? If you got the Holy Ghost, if you got the same power, can you imagine? And again, you always think you're normal. You think you're ordinary. You walk into a room and you're thinking, well, I'm just in the room. Every demon in there says, are they going to destroy us? Is that what today is? Is today that day? Is that today? Are you throwing me out today? Is that what today is? And you're thinking, I'm just struggling today. I'm having a hard day. I got a headache. No, the demons are just... As he is, so are we. Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Can you imagine the Pharisees going, I know that guy. I know that guy. Uh, and he is saying that this guy that we say ain't nothing but Satan is God. That's what he just said. You are God. No, no, he must have an unclean spirit. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace. Hold thy peace, come out of him. If you were to jump over to Jude, and we quote this a lot lately, and Satan, Lucifer, comes to uh, disputing about the body of Moses, and, and it says, Michael dares not bring unto him a railing accusation, just simply said, The Lord rebuked thee. Didn't have to scream, didn't have to spit, didn't have to jump up and down and stomp. No, thee. Lord, rebuke thee. He said, hold thy peace and come out of him. When the unclean spirit had torn him, torn him or convulsed or constricted or ripped him or jerked him or, or however you want to envision that, when he had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he come out of him. The demon was scared. The demon was screaming for his life because he done asked, is this the day you destroy me? He didn't ask, is this the day you just cast me out? It, not just, the, no, is this the day you destroy me? Because remember, there's only one that can annihilate. There's only one that can annihilate. And that demon knew whose presence he was standing in front of. That one can annihilate me. Yes. He can annihilate me. Hallelujah. 
And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and guess what? They obey. As he is, so are we. As he is, so are we. That even they do obey him. Even they do obey him. Flip over to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 37. Even they obey. Mark chapter 4, verse 37. There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Now, you understand that, that demons were trying to sink the boat. They had gotten into the storm. They were trying to smash it, trying to destroy it, anything they could to do to stop it. So they arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. It filled that cup, that bowl up with water. It, it's not supposed to have water in here. It starts to sink. That's surefire uh, done. You're, you're surefire done. And the chance of swimming through a storm like that is very, very slim. So they're like, okay, we got them. We got the boat filled up. We got the storm going on. We got the waves going on. We're done. It's all settled. It's all over, right? We're going to clout this with a victory. Let's head on home. Mm, wait, wait, wait. That's, that's amazing. There arose a great storm of wind, the waves beat in the ship till it was now full. He was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. They awaked him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Do you even care that we're going to perish? He arose, rebuked the wind, said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? I'll say it like this. He says unto you, January 1st, 2023, at 610, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What manner of man? Satan's asking the same question. What manner of bride is she? What manner of bride is she? Turn over to chapter 5. <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 19. Now, this would be where his encounter with Legion. Chapter 5, verse 19. And he just you know, walked all through that with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. But he saith unto him, Go home to your friends, tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Now, as we don't take time to read that rest of those verses before that, you know that the man had at least a thousand demons on him. At least it's called a legion for a reason. He had at least a thousand demons on him. This man spent his life in tombstones amongst the graves. They would try to put chains on this man and he would break the chains, the Bible says. No man could hold him. No man could hold him. Now the Lord Jesus has just set him free. <clears throat> he just set him free. And now he wants to follow Jesus and go with him. Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to your friends, tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. You go tell everyone you know, I set the captives free. Isaiah 61, I set the captives free. It's true. It's true. Nothing but the truth. Turn over to Luke chapter 6. 
Luke chapter 6, verse 6. It came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. There was a man whose right hand was withered. They covered this in the, on the chosen. And on the chosen, they kind of have it backwards on which, you know, what's happened first. With them going through the field first or the hand withered first. And, and maybe another count is said one was the other or not. But, but I always wondered about that. But it come to pass that also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered, completely all shriveled up. The scribes and the Pharisees watched him, whether or not he would heal on the Sabbath day. <laughs> Again, <laughs> what? What kind of a foul, unclean spirit is on someone to complain if you heal someone else? What kind of a slimy demon out of hell is on somebody to say, how dare you do that now? If you're the one that's bound, please do it any time of day, you got to do it. Please don't wait till tomorrow. Please don't wait till next week. Please, God, do it now. And these people are sitting there trying to see whether he'd heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. Of course he did. He's the word. He knows my thoughts. He knows your thoughts. He's the word. He said to the man which had the withered hand, rise up, stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I'll ask you one thing. I will ask you one thing. <clears throat> and like I've said before, there's certain things as I read through in the scripture that lets me think, I think he was irritated right then. I'd be irritated. He was in the flesh just like you. And he knows their thoughts. He knows what they're thinking. He knows that they can't stand him making this, life, this guy's life better. I'd have been pretty irritated. I'd have probably been a little bit sarcastic. That's just me. <clears throat> I'll ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or do evil, to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? We talked about those natural brute beasts that only all about corruption. They're all about corruption. Here you have them right here. They're only about corruption. We'd prefer you let that man stay sick. We prefer you let him stay bound. We prefer Legion stay like he was. We prefer this man's hand stays handicapped. That's our preference. That's okay with you. Is it to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? Looking round about them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. That's my response. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Did you see what just happened? That man's hand was this. Now that man's hand is this. Praise the Lord. It's a good response of someone that's not demon-possessed. That's a good response. Hallelujah. Look what God just did. Medical science can't do it. Nobody else can do it. God did that. Praise the Lord. They were filled with madness. That means out of their mind. Madness. They were filled with madness and commune one with another what they might do to Jesus. That's demon possession right there. But where the religious synagogues, the Pharisees and the scribes, no, you're demon-possessed. Demon-possessed. <clears throat> Learn over to Luke chapter 17. No, I'm sorry. Same chapter, chapter 6, verse 17. Luke chapter 6, verse 17. He came down with them and stood in the plain. And the company of the disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. 
and they that were vexed with unclean spirits, demon possessed. These men were these people. They were demon possessed. Then again, I loved how the scripture is so matter of fact. So let's read this again. Um, from Tyre, from Sidon, they came to hear him to be healed of their diseases. Um, not sniffles, not headache, not toe ingrown toe disease. Nobody ever called a headache a disease. Just a normal run of the mill headache. Nobody ever called an ingrown toe a disease. No, these were bad things. Probably most of them life altering or life ending. <clears throat> and they that were possessed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Amen. We're done. It's over. Satan would tell you, no, no, we put up quite the fight. We, we hung in there. We swung. We kicked. We bet. We did all these things. And we really, you know, gave it the old college try. No. You were put down like the dog you are. Amen. Just that simple. Just that simple. The whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. The whole multitude sought to touch him. You know when that Samaritan Syrophoenician woman, she touched his garment? Survivor woman, right? When she touched the hem of his garment, you know, it might have been the first time that ever happened. And even Satan is still not quite sure about him. And he's probably thinking, what is she doing? What it she, you know, she's not trying to grab his leg. He's like, I can see she's not trying to grab his leg because he's walking, his robe is swinging. He's, he's not trying to trip him. What is she doing? And then she grabs the hem of his garment and instantly her light changed. And her life, but her light changed. He can see that. He saw that something changed. You realize how much that caught on? You know, people told everybody they could say, if you just touch the hem of his garment, if you just touch the hem of his garment, your life will be changed. And right here, you have a multitude of people. The whole multitude sought to touch him, for they went virtue out of him. And what did he do? Healed them all. Cast out demons, healed them all. <clears throat> Pretty thorough. Turn over to Luke chapter 10 now. Now Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. 17. Now, as we, um, I, we, we touched on that in Matthew, as he was sending them out two by two and to go out into all the world and do, you know, as far as to preach the gospel and to, uh, you know, to go in together. We, we covered that a few minutes ago. This is them now coming back with their testimony of what that looked like. The 70 returned, the 12, and then the 70 eventually after. The 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils or the demons are subject unto us through thy name. Is the scripture true? Is it true? Amen. Subject unto us through thy name. We shared that with you about uh, Brother Jason Watkins was telling testimony about a brother he knows, I think he's in India, that he said that, that he's got you know, great success with casting out demons, so much so that even the police will come get him if there's someone that's demon-possessed and they can't put him in the jail because they can't hold him. So they'll come get him, he'll go cast the demon out, he'll go back home. And he was telling Brother Jason, he said, I, I, they come get me sometimes at 2 or 3 in the morning, and so I don't get much sleep in the night because they come wake me up. I go do it, I come back, come wake me up. This is a legit, legitimate a logistical request. But they see that there's success there. That man has authority against those demons. I believe it. I never met him, I don't even know his name, but I believe it. Because it's what the scripture says. Somebody on this planet is putting this to work. Somebody on this planet is putting this to work. And he said, you go there and you do that. And he asked the Lord, he said, what can I do to where that I won't be so worn out? And the Lord tells him, just have them bring the man to the next service. And you cast him out there. 
So they do that now. He said, now I get to sleep all night long. Brother Jason said, I'm hearing him testify this to me. He said, I asked, what do you do if the demons won't leave? He said, oh, brother, that's not allowed. Again, so matter of fact, get. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get. Now let me give you the scriptural proof of it. Just in case you were needing scripture to back it up, to really you know, just etch it into the, 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 the flesh of your mind. The 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. He said unto them, I quoted this earlier, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. We shared it with the last year or so. The reason he beheld it is because he's the one that did it. Get out. Takes you all the way back to his beginning. I kicked him out then. Kick him out any time I need to. Verse 19. Behold, I give unto you. Put your hands in the air right now. He said, I give unto you power. Oh, you're just getting carried away. No, God is speaking. God is speaking. This is nothing but the truth. Nothing but the truth. I don't care what any foul, unclean spirit out of hell says. This is nothing but the truth. And they know it. They know it. And scared to death that you'll believe it. Scared to death. I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing but the truth. Turn over to Luke chapter 11. Verse 14. He was, and, and he was casting out a devil. Just kind of come upon the scripture all being real plain like. What were you doing on Saturday night? I, I was casting out a devil. And then I went about my way. He was casting out a devil and it was dumb. Most of them are. It was dumb. And it come to pass when, I don't mean that to be facetious, but if you think you got a chance against him and you want to join up with Lucifer and try to bring war against him, the very one that, to me that ain't nothing but dumb. I understand they got a purpose. They got a, they got a job. God needed a worthy adversary. I get that, but that's still pretty dumb if you think you got a child against him. They were dumb. He was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. Now, we, we've shared that testimony of Brother Wayne had given about a woman that he met in Arkansas back several years ago that as a young girl, five years old, she was in Carlsbad, New Mexico, had in Brother Brown's meetings, and a girl that she knew that was 18, 19 years old was always deaf and mute, comes through the prayer line, Brother Brown prays for her, and she starts hearing and, and speaking right then. Healed. Pretty set free. Right then and there. Went home later that day, and her parents told her, her parents told her, you've been faking and lying your whole life. You never were deaf or mute. Her parents told her, and by the time it was over, she couldn't speak or hear any longer. She was healed. Unbelief resurrected it. Unbelief brought her parents. But it's a demon. It's a demon that pinches that nerve, that pinches that part of the body and shuts the hearing off, shuts the speak. It pinches that. You remove those fingers, that grip, that grasp, whatever that chain that demon's doing, and the body is well. It's well. When the devil was gone out and the dumb spake and the people wondered. But some of them said, 
He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others, tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against itself falleth. Here's why you cannot straddle the fence. You cannot say, I'm kind of a Christian. I go to church. I, I make my 10 o'clock. My seven, I, I go to church, but I still go back to the things of the world. I walk away from him, and I just taste anything I want. I do whatever I want. I think whatever I want, but as soon as I need him, I'm back up on the fence. You have no protection. You have no protection. Satan comes at you, and he will hit you. He will knock you down. You must get into the protection. You can't stay out there and just play with the world. You must get in there. He said that knowing their thoughts, that any kingdom divided against itself, you're either the kingdom of God or you're the kingdom of Satan. Black or white, plain and simple. You're either the kingdom of God or you're the kingdom of Satan. He said any house divided against itself faileth, it falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub, and if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? I love that question. So I cast out demons. You're saying by Beelzebub. How do your sons cast out demons? Oh, they don't do it. Oh, that got awkward. That just got real awkward. He's still looking at me. Who do your sons cast them out by? Wow. Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I, and I love this, with the finger of God, flick, flick. A demon that will make you deaf, that will make you dumb, that will make you blind, that will make you paralyzed, that will make you with cancer, that will make you with every foul, unclean disease on this planet, and all he does is flick them. That's all it is to him. If I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. We touched on this this morning. The kingdom of God is a person. The kingdom of God has come upon you who was standing there. And the kingdom of God is in your heart. Then verse 21, when a strong man armed keeps this palace, his goods are in peace. A strong man that is armed with what? The Holy Ghost, the Word, knows where he's standing, knows who he is, knows what's available. His goods are in peace, but when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he is trusted and divideth his spoils. He apparently wasn't the strongest one. He that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth, gathereth not with me scattereth. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, finding none. He saith, I'll return unto my house whence I come out. We started right there in Hebrews about that house that Christ built, that Moses talked about, that God was in. He said, this house that Satan was kicked out of, gone out of a man, walking the dry places, seeking rest. A demon seeking rest. I like that too. Tells me he got beat up. That demon's wore out. That demon's pretty stressed. You ever been stressed? You've been struggling. You've been twisting. But Satan to be stressed. Satan needing rest. Look, I just need a break. Every time you get out of bed, Satan needs a break. Mm. Trying to find rest and finding none. Praise the Lord. Finding none. He saith, I'll return to my house once I come out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. They enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Worse than the first. Worse. But there's a way 
to make it where they can't get in. They can't have access. They can't have success against you. Fully committing all of your life to God, walking in his way, Satan can't touch you. Not one chance whatsoever. Plead the blood of Christ. Lord, I give all my life to you. I don't just give you 1% of myself. I give you all of myself, Lord. I know that it's a daily struggle. I know that it's a daily battle, Lord. I'll give better tomorrow. I'll give more tomorrow, Lord. I'll keep each day. My desire is to live for you more, to walk closer. That's my desire each day. You will have times you fall down. You'll have five times that you'll struggle, but he is right there with you no matter what comes. You say praise the Lord to that? If you look in your message, church, and look at the things that God hates and just type that in, God hates. You'll find that he hates a powerless religion. God hates a powerless religion. And you think, why would that be such a big deal? If a human gets beat up, why would that bother God? Because they're telling people that they are walking in the way of God. They are telling people that I have what's right, that what we live for, what we preach, what we teach, that this is what's right. And they walk right out into the furnace of fire or into the lion's den and they're consumed then he looks like he can't take care of you. He looks like he can't deliver you. They never were a part of him. Never were. He hates it. God hates it. You're mocking him. You're tempting him. You're telling people God is powerless. My goodness. It's so easy to get a spirit of heady and high-mindedness, even in the message, even the revelation that's available. I know a lot of people that way that believe that because they believe the depths of the word, that they've got it one over on you, that they're higher up the ladder than you. But when it comes to their life, even their prayer life alone, even their prayer life alone, they have no victory. Now, I don't understand that, how that you can say you believe that the Lord Jesus has come, that the word is open, that he is here revealing himself now to you in power and revelation and understanding of his word, yet you have no victory even in your own prayer life. I don't understand that. Something's wrong. Something is wrong. That's a powerless religion. But God don't want you to have a powerless religion. I've read all these scriptures to you telling you what God wants for your life. He don't want you to come up to a test and get knocked down. He don't want you to come up to a trouble and just be swept away. He wants you to walk out there and smash that thing like it deserves. He hates it. Hates it. You know what else God hates? Discord among the brethren. He hates it. He hates a sower of discord. He hates, because that's not the flesh, that's a demon. On that person, trying to come against you, trying to come against you, against me, everything he can to tear each one of us apart. See, there was a, um, I don't know if it was in one of the lifeline quote of the days, uh, quote of the day here in the last week. Brother Brown, one of the quotes he had shared that he said, I can't make it without you. You can't make it without me, and we sure can't make it without God. See, this is the truth. We are a part of a body. You're not going to take a rapture before me, and I'm not going to take a rapture before you. This is the truth. We are a body. This is a body. <clears throat> now, I, I, and I'm not, I can't even take a rapture until I become the full embodiment of perfect love. You won't take a rapture being mad at me. You won't take a rapture being offended at me. You won't take a rapture with anything like that because love casts it all out. 
So it's the truth. So you will love one another. God is love. There are times that you have things that, that as far as a character, the Bible uses that phrase, iron sharpeneth iron. You have sometimes that you'll get into an argument or a disagreement or something like that, and that's fine. We are flesh people. And it even says about Elias that he was a man of like passions. He gets mad. He gets things that he struggles with. That's a part of being human. But then once it's over, you be angry and sin not. Then you walk back and you work it out. I love you. Please forgive me. I didn't mean to say this. I didn't mean to say that. Will you please forgive me? And you work it out. And then it's no more mixture. Satan has no more traction in your life. But Satan wants to twist it and to have you be angry and sin to hold it against him. God hates that. He absolutely hates that. Now, as we, as we come to a close and about to change the order, um, the purpose of communion is not to just have communion with God. It's not just to have that, that, that walk with him. That, that's, uh, that's a part of it. But you can't see him. You can't smell him. You can't touch him. But you can see your brother, your sister. And the way I know that I love God is because I love you. The way I know that you love God is because you love me. This is the truth. I didn't get to that scripture where they come to Philip and asking him, saying, we want to see God. And he tells him, you're always seeking for a sign. He said, no man seeth God any time. But you're looking at him amongst one another. You're looking at him amongst your sister, against your brother, against your, that's where you're looking at God. You're looking at deity and flesh sitting beside you. The Lord Jesus Christ beside you. Now, where I said that about the sower of discord, that sower of discord in the root is Satan and any demon out of hell trying to come between one another. Now, we, we, I wish I'd have printed out and read to you the, the word of the church. We're going to put that on a big, a big poster or a picture and we get it hung up. They're out of Christ, the mystery God revealed. Brother Branham said, you're a real big, sweet group right now. He said, you're a real big, sweet group right now. And he said, I pray you stay that way. He said, well, Satan won't let you stay that way. He will not let you stay that way. He will send someone in to try to twist things, try to make things all this. He'll pump someone through full of poison. He'll pump someone full of poison. He'll raise some up. Whatever he's got to do to tear us apart. Brother Bram said, don't you fall for it. Don't you fall for it. He said, you cling the more closer together. Cling closer. Draw me, draw closer one to another. He said, and that person that Satan has done that to will either come in and be one of you or will go away. But you will be drawn closer. That's the only reason God would allow it. Now, I've heard of many churches over the years that have <clears throat> had things come on that would, that would maybe seem like on the outside looking in that it completely wrecked the place. But if you step back and see the lasting effect of it, you see that certain things were shifted around because God sets one up and he puts another one down. He moves people around. He also gives other different people a pastor after his heart. You have, you, I'm not everybody's pastor. Other people's not everybody else's pastor. There's different personalities, different variety because God is a variety. And sometimes they're moved around. But if you've got someone that's in the wrong church, sitting in the wrong church, some things might get a little friction after a while. But God would allow it to help your character, help my character, to draw closer together, to love one another. And, and I'm not saying that on any particular thing. I'm just warning that. I was listening to Christ the Mystery God revealed this morning, and, and it kind of came up my heart again about that, that draw closer one to another. 
We, we shared that earlier this morning about Aaron's finger being smashed. And, and as a body part of your own self, if you hurt something, it's so easy just to put it in your mouth or try to you know, baby it, try to protect it. And, and as far as other brothers and sisters that are part of this body, we should have the same response. We should go after that person. If you have someone that's backslid, that's struggling, that's falling away, Brother Bram said it's your job as a Christian to go after them and to help restore that brother or sister that's overtaken in a fault. Draw them back in. We're a body. And, but Satan don't want that. Satan wants you to get busy with your job. Well, I've been mean to call him. I've been mean to talk to him. I've been mean to do this. And that's Satan trying to distract you because he knows if you'll get in there, you can rub some of that balm of Gilead on it, and you can restore them. Sometimes you just get stuck. Sometimes in your life you just get stuck. You have things that you need someone to come alongside and just help you pick you back up. But that's where Christ is in your body. And you would think that in times that you've had bad parts of your life, you've had bad tests, you've had things that knocked you to your knees. What a benefit it was to you to know the Lord Jesus come alongside of you and he picked you up and he dusted you off and he said, I love you. And he put his arms around you and pulled you up close and you knew everything was going to get better. Now we do that through each other. You come alongside them. I want you to know I love you. I'm praying for you. I want to remind you that whatever you're going through right now, that if God be for us, what could be against us? That he's for me, that his, his answer to any of my requests is yea and amen. This is reminding we overcome the devil with the word of our testimony. We talked this morning about creating an atmosphere and creating an environment. And you can do that with one another. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to exhort you. I'm here to lift you up and tell you that I love you. That I love you. I'm praying for you. And I pray that as we begin this year, where it just happens to fall the first day of the new year, our service here tonight for our communion service. And as a body of believers, I want to tell you once again that I do love you. You mean the world to me? I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. I want you to know that I look at my life and different things that I've struggled with and different all the experiences that I fall flat on my face from that God used to build character out of me, things that, that I thought I couldn't overcome. I see that he did that to me so that I could be an encouragement to you. And when I look back on the most worst trash of my life, things that I made the worst mistakes on and see that he could use that to be a blessing to you, I realized then that I was created for you. So when I tell you I love you, I mean it. I'm praying for you. I believe God's got real good things for us in store. Was sitting back there this morning, Brother Michael King texted me about, I think about 9, 10 or so. We're sitting here this morning. He goes by the the Windows Church in Pawnee, and he was texting me and said that, I I pray that, how did he word that, that God's blessings comes on you so much this year that it just overwhelms you. That God's blessings come on you so much that it just overwhelms you. I'm paraphrasing. He might text me later. That's not what I said, but he said it overwhelms you. See, these are the, the, the exceedingly abundant promises of God. We're not alone. You're not alone. Anything that you're going through right now, you're not alone. Michelle is not alone. We are here praying for and believing with her. Jesse's not alone. Brother Doug, Sister Patty's not alone. Brother Glenn and Sister Penny, they're not alone. Our brothers and sisters, they're not alone. We're praying for them. We're lifting them up. You're not alone. I love you. God bless you. (coughs) Excuse me. As we go to change your the service, I want to read a scripture to you out of John chapter 6, if you'll turn there with me. 
<coughs> Excuse me. John chapter 6, verse 44. Verse 44. <coughs> Jesus had already been telling these people, and they were murmuring back and forth as he was speaking these words. And you, you, you think about your walk with the Lord and how much you love his word, and you love every word that comes out of his mouth. And, and you look at these people's response to what he's saying, and you understand it wasn't for them. It was for you specifically. And you, but you see in their flesh, there's murmuring back and forth. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. And, and I said many times about the statement of eat my flesh, drink my blood. He could have just said, if you'll just settle down, if you'll just be patient, I'll make all this very clear in the communion message. I'll make it all very clear. You'll understand. You'll actually see what I do for you. But they couldn't. They had to, you know, run off after themselves. John chapter 6, verse 44. <coughs> Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets that they shall, and it is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me, not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. He said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As a living father hath sent me, and I live by the father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever shall live forever <clears throat> as we have the musicians come forward i want to read one more scripture to you if you eat of that bread you will live forever we do not teach transmogrification we do not teach that this is the literal body of jesus christ we do not teach this is the literal blood. This is in remembrance of him. This is the bread that he taught, that he commanded that we do. The actual literal life and blood of Jesus Christ is put in you in a different way. It is through the Holy Spirit of God. It's through that baptism that is water, blood, and fire. And that changes you on the molecule side, in your spirit form, and, and changes you in that mold, in that spot is where I need to be changed at. It don't benefit me if I get super strong or super fast and, and live forever. That doesn't help me whatsoever. If I have all the money in the world, that doesn't help me whatsoever. I don't want to stay on this planet. 
I want to go where I came from. And that's in his presence all the time living in that other dimension. That's my goal. That's where I'm pushing for. That's where I'm pressing toward. Verse 63, if you'll just go down a little bit further. Verse 63, he said, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. I believe that. I say amen to that. I I surrender my heart and my life and all that I am to that. And I trust the Lord that he will bring this to pass. This isn't anything I say it's a lot that I will pull myself up my boots, by my bootstraps. This isn't anything that I will press out of my own self. This is his work in me. You look at me and say I'm not finished yet. That's nothing but the truth. But he's still working on me. And he is faithful to finish the work that he started. We sent here tonight... Uh, we was thinking about leaving the other building the other night. The other day is having left the building, the senior citizen we've rented. <coughs> All my life, I've never been in church services like we had in that building. Been serving the Lord a long time. Been a message believer a long time. I ain't never in my life seen God move for me and you like in that building. Now, that's God's favor to us. We could be a powerless religion. We could just be just a husk. We could be a morgue. We could just be moving courses around like most of the church world is. But that's not what God has in store for us. His word declares that he is spirit and he is life. His word is this. His word is here. His word is in us. We see the fruit of it. You look at your life, how much your life has changed this year alone. Not been easy, but God's been there every step of the way. I say thank the Lord. I appreciate his mercy as we go into this next year. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of tests, plenty of trials, plenty of furnaces to fire to walk through. But you remember with all that's within you, you will not walk them alone. You will not walk them alone. God is for us. We'll take just a couple minutes to kind of close our eyes and just meditate upon this song that she's playing when I see the blood I'll pass over you
very thankful for his blood tonight. How pure and how cleansing it is. If it wasn't for that blood, the death angel would not pass by. It would stop right there at your way. But he has made you free. He has made you clean. And that's from the washing of his blood and loosing from our sins. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, your presence, your anointing is very evident now in this room, Lord. We're not doing this, Lord, thinking that it's just some kind of grape juice or something that's anti of your word, Lord. We've, we've done these things according to your word. You told the disciples, do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we think what a, what a powerful thing it was that you, who you are, would bow at your feet of 12 men that didn't deserve it, 12 men that weren't perfect, 12 men that struggled, and yet you, the creator of heavens and earth, would humble yourself and take communion with him, and you would bow at their feet and wash your feet, Lord, and it, it's just all through your word, Lord, this is how you clean your people, a part of that communion with you. It's the same thing with that brazen labor there in the temple, the tabernacle, the, the tent in the wilderness, Lord, to type that sea of glass that, that we take these as been made kings and priests with you, Lord, that, that we take this wine, that we take this bread, and then we move to the foot washing service, and we, we have our feet washed, and then we, we wash our hands as we wash our brother or sister's feet, and we do all these things, Lord, in remembrance of you. It's very humbling. It's a surrender of our life, not just to you, but to our brother and our sister. It's a very vulnerable position. It's not a place of strength. It is a place of weakness. But in that, Lord, you build us up. You, you, you instill a character that is Christ-like. And that's what our desire is, to not have my character, not have Sam Parker's character, but, but to have your Lord Jesus Christ's character in us, Lord, and we, we do these things not as just a tradition, not as just some kind of ordinance or uh, and those things, but Lord, we do these things because we love you and your word states them, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters today as we partake of this, that you would forgive us for our sins and shortcomings, that you would help us to love each other more, that you would help us to draw closer one to another, having our hearts and our lives knit together with your love. Draw us closer, we pray, Lord. We love you. We love each other. We pray that you would move and continue throughout the remainder of this service, Lord. In your precious and lovely and holy name, amen. <clears throat> God bless you. The, the table is open. Come forward as you feel led.